This is the Colorado Real Estate Experience, where we talk about building wealth through real estate. My name is Dick Girard, and my co-host is Pat Draw. Morning, Dick. Pat, how's it going today? You good yourself? This crazy snowy uh, couple days that we've had. Yeah, it's uh, it's good we got it. I'm never a huge fan of it, but uh, actually, I'm a fan of the snow. I'm not a fan of it going away because there's yeah. that that it just takes everything out of you. you know? Yeah. I got to wear different shoes. Can't wear, you know, you got to be careful which pants you wear because the bottom are going to get all wet and salty and ruin them. Yeah. And so, and that's what we're in now. I mean, a lot of decisions right now. Yeah. Everything's really getting wet. It's, that's all right. It's super sunny. Yep. Um, well, let's talk today about um, just the markets in general and, you know, where, where we are. You know, it is the middle of February here in Colorado and, you know, we got a lot of snow going on. How, how does that affect the markets and just the time of year? And then um, talk a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit too about uh, motivations on buying or selling and, and what, um, what are some of the motivations that you should be looking for when you're looking to buy or sell a, a property. So let's talk about the, the, the markets uh, first of all. What are, what, are you, what are you hearing out there from, uh, from agents and buyers and sellers? And what, what, are, what are you hearing? It's getting tight. It's, uh, we have what potentially could be uh, something similar to, you know, a little over a year ago where the inventory is just low and the demand is high. Yeah. Um, and I know that, that sounds crazy because that's kind of how it's been in Colorado for a long time. Uh, however, the difference is is that the um, you know the inventory is extremely low and the demand is extremely high. And part of that's an off you know an offshoot of interest rates being low. And the other part of it is, and we've talked about this in, in previous videos, is there's that uh, there's a mindset shift. I think because uh, the second half of last year was really pretty open. Um, I mean, the demand dropped down only because I think people got tired of not being able to get the house they wanted or losing out on offers or whatever. So I think a lot of people were forced into a situation of re-signing a lease or whatever, and they're, they're coming out of that now. And then the demand is right back where it was, uh, almost to the point where some people should have just paid the price to get out of their lease um, at, you know, at, that, at that point last year and gotten in something that was a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's an ebb and flow and it's, a, it's, the, you know, it's early in the year, it is still February. And that's not necessarily the time when people generally tend to list their homes. So it's hard to really uh, dictate, you know, that the whole, whole year is going to be like this. I mean, it's a good possibility because rates are really low and really good. And it makes the affordability extremely high for people. Uh, but at the same time, too, it's hard to sit there and look at you know, where we are in February and say, this is how it's going to be the entire year. It certainly could be, but um, I think the verdict is still out. Yep. Well, and, and I think the, the, the normal real estate market is kind of goes with the schools, right? You know, when your kids get out of school, that's kind of when, when, when people want to make their moves, they don't want to pull their kids from one school to another. So we kind of see that, you know, in, you know, things start picking up in April, May, June, you know, that's, that's when they, they really start getting hot. So you got to think about that with leases too. You mentioned, you know, people, um, getting in and out of leases. When does that happen? Well, about the same time, right? You know, so there's a lot of people that are thinking about their, their leases coming up in a couple months because they signed them last year and now they got to make a decision. I talked to two people yesterday that were making that decision on, well, when's your lease coming up? It's coming up next month. 
So they got to make that decision. Are they going to buy or are they going to move forward? Now, they're probably starting a little late if their lease coming up next month, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely they are. <laughs> yeah. So if you're looking to move in May or June, you got to start the process right now because, you know, it doesn't take long at all for us to get you pre-approved and ready to go on the financing side. But it's finding the house that meets all your needs that's the tough thing because inventory is still low. If you go back a couple of weeks, we did a, um, on our podcast, we, we, we gave some numbers on kind of where the inventory was and, and the inventory had kind of gone up a little bit, but it's actually even come down from there and it's still really tight um, right now. There's a lot of buyers out there for very few properties and it's, uh, you know, that, that causes uh, a lot of emotional things out there, you know, when people start bidding things up and paying too much for things maybe, or, it, or, or like you said, just quit in general, you know, they just get frustrated and say, forget it, I'm not going to do anything. Then they miss a whole nother year of building wealth. So right. we have to kind of change that mindset of, you know, yeah, it might be frustrating. It might be hard to get into something but you got to do it if you really want to build that wealth and you want to start as soon as you can. Well, so there's, there's, and again, I think the one thing we look at now is let's, we're kind of addressing the challenges um, from right. a buyer. Uh, but what we're not talking about because it's, it's equal in terms of strategic uh, right or left is a seller, right? How do you sell a house to go back into this market? So, I mean, if, obviously if you're selling and you're moving to a different, um, area, you know, like you're not, you're moving out of the Denver metro area. Um, that's one thing, right? You're probably going to be able to, to go somewhere else and have a little bit easier time to find a house. However, I will say that I've heard reports from other states that are having the same problem. It's not just Colorado. Right. Um, we certainly have it amplified because of the demand to be here. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I think it's kind of going across the uh, the nation in some respect for most places. Oh, there's uh, low there's said, low inventory. Yeah, yeah, there's low inventory all over the country. Yeah, there's no question about. I've that. got an agent that I just dealt. I've been dealing with uh, her for uh, last five months with a buyer, and I mean her. I mean the frustration is extremely high because the buyer has a house to sell, and they can't necessarily sell it until they find something else. But their offer is contingent, right, on selling right. their house. They know this house is going to sell in, in literally in seconds. It's going to go on the market and go. It's in a great area. The price is right. Um, it's, it's just right for the picking. However, nobody's taking the contingent offer. And the, you know, the seller won't move on her mark as far as you know, selling now and then doing something interim or you know, some other strategy in terms of how to uh, get the house going. They want to wait till they find a house to be able to, uh, uh, to put the house in the market. It's just not going to work. Nobody's taking the contingent offer, and the, the 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 buyer or the buyer slash seller both are missing out on house after house after house yep. because the the people that are selling right now have their pick of who they want to buy that house. Yeah, and they're not going to take a contingent offer. I, I have the exact same thing, and I was talking to the agent um, yesterday, and you know, they have four kids, you know, two dogs three cats and a ferret, you know, and he went over to look at the house and it's like, you know, and their house is a little small for them. That's why they're moving, you know, to move, move up. But what do you do? You know, you, you, you've got to get that house. You, you got to still live in the house, you know, when you're, when you're selling it, but you have to make it presentable 
and it, it, it's not an easy thing. You know, it's not an easy thing to do, you know, and, the ferret. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and you know, they, they've got, uh, they've got a lot of kids and more, uh, more animals than kids, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, it, it makes it, it makes it kind of crazy, but, um, you know, that, that goes into the motivation. Sometimes you have to do some things and, you know, find a temporary home for, you know, the, uh, the, the animals or, or, or something while you're, while you're getting your house ready to sell. And, uh, but some of those people might be just like frustrated buyers. They might be frustrated sellers and say, you know what, forget this. We'll just stay where we are. And, um, and because it's just too hard to, to, to do this, you know? Right. So, and, and that creates that lack of demand. Yeah. Well, that's you your know? bottleneck you were talking about earlier. Ab- that, absolutely. There, you know, there are people that want to sell, right? There are, and I know a lot of people who want to sell. I have, I have a lot of, uh, like customers that I've been working with over the years that have asked about, they're like, Hey, we really want to put our house in the market. And every time we go through, you know, our semi monthly updates just to see where they're at. And it's like, Hey, what are you thinking? How are things going? They're like, we're concerned about finding another place that we want. Yep. You know? um, so, but however, I will tell you that there is a shift, right? And there's a lot of people, cause I, you know, like I said, I keep in touch with them every couple of weeks just to see where they're at. And is there anything I can do to help, you know, your situation, whatever. And then what happens is we, we end up talking about it. There is a shift going on where a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to earmark the month of, you know, March or April to get my house in the market. So right. I mean, I am seeing people make that decision. And that's yep. why I think that you're going to see the, the, um, the inventory open up. However, I don't know that's going to make as much of a difference because the demand's going to go up because like you said, I mean, you right. have those prime months of people in leases. If their lease comes up in May or June, and, you know, they can, you know, a house goes on the market in the middle of March and they close in the middle of April. Well, that's perfect. You have one yeah. month, you know, carryover. People will do that um, to be, you know, for the certainty of buying a home. So, however, I will tell you this is that, you know, and I don't know that, I don't know that we call it a healthy market because a healthy market we've talked about is, you know, the, the inventory is a lot of high, the demand and the inventory is kind of a, you know, meets in the middle, so to speak. Right. So I don't want to say it's a healthy market. However, from our perspective, and really everything this podcast really is kind of about, building wealth of real estate, that makes a great case for the why buy now theory of get in the house as soon as you can, because I don't think these things are going away, right? I mean, we've talked about rates and we've talked about the projected rates, at least for the year. We, I mean, and again, as a disclaimer, we don't know. You know, we don't have a crystal ball. If we do, uh, we'd probably be doing some other podcast and not be working anymore. However, the idea is this, is that, you know, things are going to stay really good this year, at least the projected to stay good in terms of where rates are, which keeps that affordability high, which helps people, you know, jump in the market, so on and so forth. You know, and it no longer makes move from somebody selling a house to buying a new one as lateral as it might be in terms of moving up. You know, somebody could trade one payment for another, but buy a much bigger house because of the equity they got in their house and the wealth they built in the house they live in and then they get when they sell it and then they move it to a new house at a lower rate, they a lot of times can move up. And I, I have seen that quite a bit in the last five years where somebody sells a house that they bought for, you know, two fifty uh, five years ago. It's worth three fifty now. They pay it down a little bit. They take a hundred and some odd grand they got out of that house, put it into a you know a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar house now, and their payment is pretty close to the same as it was. So there's a lot of opportunity going forward that I think is really going to spark the market a little bit more for, for everybody involved. Yep. Well, 
let's just listening to to you and and what we've talked about today. Let let let's talk a little bit about why that um, why we think that that demand uh, or that supply is is not really there. So let's just look back. I don't know when we had a kind of equilibrium market. You know, people would buy a house, and we'll just make up some numbers. You know, but you're a first-time home buyer. You go buy a condo or a small house, right? You you, you spend two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You get into that, and then you know you maybe get married, start having kids, and you move up to the next level, right? You move up to a to a three hundred thousand dollar house for three fifty, right? And then you know, your kids get a little bit older, you know, you, you kind of outgrow that, that house a little bit and you move up again, you know, and that kind of, it was the, you know, how things worked, you know, you started with a small little place, maybe a condo or a townhouse, and then you kind of moved your way up through the, you know, through the ranks. And I think what's happening and right now is that, you know, people are, you know, there isn't that $250,000, $200,000 house anymore, you know, where our average um, price is, is $450,000 in the Denver metro area, you know, so the entry level is, you know, more closer to four hundred dollars than it is two hundred, dollars right? So people are waiting a little longer to get into those places. And then I don't see those Four hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollar people moving to the next level, you know, right. and so we have a little bit of a of a strange scenario for the last couple of years where you know that three hundred thousand you know two hundred to four hundred thousand was just crazy hot and just really very little demand and a lot of buyers because all the new people want those houses right. But then we have that bottleneck of people that are staying in those houses and not moving up to the next level. So the higher priced houses, the seven, $800,000 houses are a little soft. You know, there's more inventory there and not as much demand. So you really have a, a great opportunity if you do want to move up right now to sell in a seller's market in, in that you know, lower price range and kind of buy in a buyer's market in that, in that little bit higher price range. So I think that that is a phenomenon that's not going to last very, very long, you know, because those, those houses are going to start going up and, and people are going to start moving into those houses. But I think people are just staying in those, you know, five, $600,000 houses way longer than they, than they used to. And there, there's not those people moving up to that, eight, $9 million house, um, anymore. Well, there's, so there's another, there's a, there's a hidden thing in there too, that, um, maybe doesn't really get thrown out there as much, but there's a, uh, a mindset change amongst the group of people that buy, you know, the age group of people, the demographic that buys right. the house. And, mm -hmm. and here's, here's the theory again, that's not proven, but I can tell you the random sample of people I talk to, and I'm in that age bracket as are you, mm -hmm. um, People aren't as interested in buying a house to have 5,000 or 6,000 square feet like they used to be. They're into buying houses that are um, meeting their demands of not just the home itself, but the location of the house. Um, so, I mean, you look at some of the houses, and again, we're, we're speaking specifically of Denver metro area, right? You look at some of the houses back 
you know, as they built them out, I mean, there's, there's some neighborhoods out there that are far and away, um, almost could be considered not even a suburb. They're so far out of the city, right. You know, or of even some of the, you know, the, the, the best thing to do that Colorado has to offer. I mean, the further they get off the front range to the East, um, you know, the farther away they are from the, all the things that people want to move here for. So what happens is there's less and less demand for those um, because that's what would happen. Okay, we'll build these big, you know, 6,000 square foot houses uh, out in you know, these neighborhoods. And I'm not, I mean, the demand is still there. I'm not saying that the demand's not there, but what's happening is you know, there's that cycle of moving up from a, uh, an age group standpoint, right? I mean, yep. you've got everything from, you know, boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, Right. Uh, millennials, all that stuff, you know, and so they're just a different mindset of what they want to do. And, you know, a lot of people work from home a little more than they did. Uh, a lot of people have the opportunity to uh, have more time on their hands, at least during the day. And people want to be closer to things they like to do. You know, you and I, um, I've talked about it because I, I go through it a little bit when it comes to wanting to have a house that's closer to what I enjoy doing uh, on my spare time. Because it is, you know, we work a lot and we're kind of always uh, on call, you know, 24 seven, uh, in terms of our business. So it's good to have, if, if I could live somewhere like personally that takes away, you know, call it a couple hours of opportunity time, um, because I have to travel to get to where I want to be. Let's say I want to go for a hike or a snowshoe, right? I, I can't do it out my front door. I've got to go somewhere. Well, if it takes me 45 minutes or so to get there and set up another 15 or whatever, that's an hour, that's two hours a day. Uh, that's out of my, you know, that comes out of my busy schedule. You know, I'm getting calls, I'm getting emails, I got to right. meet with people, that type of thing. So, and I, I don't think I'm, I'm unusual. I think that's becoming more the norm. People are picking places to live uh, in Denver, and not just Denver. I think in all over the country where yep. they can get to the things they want to do. And it doesn't have to be like in my case, it might be more recreation, right? And that's a big right. thing of what I like to do. It doesn't have to be the case. A lot of people want to get closer to. Uh, an urban center, right? So right. a lot of people want to be like, hey, you know, I, when I'm done, I want to go downtown and I want to enjoy this, or I want to go to this area and enjoy these things. Here's what I enjoy doing, whatever it is. So people right. want to do that and that creates their demand for where they want to live. So what you're saying is, is definitely true, but that, that's a whole other added factor in terms of where that bottleneck comes into play because somebody might normally go from, you know, a demographic of a five or six hundred thousand dollar house to a seven fifty to a million dollar house that might be their move up. Well, those houses are, I mean, there, there's a there's a cap unless you're living in the most exclusive of areas. There's going to be a cap on what you pay for certain things. You know, so if I, you know if I want a house because I want to be closer to a certain area, it just you know there's only so many houses because they're all already established. Right. You know, and, that, and if that house was four hundred thousand or three hundred thousand. You know, ten years ago, maybe now it's six hundred thousand. That's still not. It's still almost a lat. Like if it was somebody like you know your situation, if you were wanting to do that, that would be somewhat of a lateral type move compared to where you're at now, right? Right. Over you know moving up to a million plus dollar house, which you'd have to go even further out. Right. And we're not we're not talking about the mountains. We're not talking about far out in the foothills. That's a whole different animal. Right. We're just talking about the Denver metro area, the suburbs that go from essentially you know Evergreen to East Aurora. Right. Well, in, in thinking of the mindset and why is that? One of the reasons is because people in our demographic, we went through what happened in 2008 and we saw, 
if, if we didn't lose houses, we saw people that did, you know, and the, the market went down and we were in the business and we saw a lot of that. So there's a lot of people that are still a little, a little spooked by that. You know, it, it was a, a, a little over 10 years ago, but the people in our, in, in our age bracket kind of, and those are the ones that'll move up to the next level. And they're saying, Hey, I want to be more practical. I don't want to take that risk of having, you know, that high of a house payment or, or whatever, you know, and buy a, a million dollar house. They're, they're not as um, into impressing people with their house versus, you know, hey, I'm going to be a, a little more practical. And I think that that, that has, um, that's going to be there for a long time for anybody who went through that. So the younger generation who, who didn't go through that are the ones that are going to have to, um, you know, come in and, you know, I have first time home buyers that are buying, you know, five, $600,000 houses, you know, because they wait a little bit longer to buy. They're a little bit older. They, they're a little bit more established and they're able to, to come into the market at a little higher price. Those people are going to be the ones that are going to push that higher price up again. Um, and you know, hopefully that'll get a, a more normal market going again, because when you don't have that opportunity to, to move up, you know, when you want to move up from a $300,000 house to a 400 or $500,000 house, but there's no, but nobody in that 500,000 price range is moving. It makes it a little difficult and we're just not building enough houses. That, that's right. the other thing. You know, there, there's not a lot of new houses being built enough for the demand. Correct. Yeah, and that, but I mean, so when we look at the market in general, again, like I said, I don't want to bring up the term healthy market because it's not healthy in terms of what the definition of, you know, what maybe the experts are out there saying, but it's extremely healthy when you talk about the ability to build wealth, you know, and why buy now? Because, because of that, the demand that's created and our, the demand that we have here is, is strong. So my message, maybe our message, you can confirm, <laughs> I yep. don't want to speak for you, is that now's a great time to buy a house, right? Rates are low. Absolutely. You just have to understand the strategy that you need to use to get into a house right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. All right. right. So it's it's just like, you don't want the situation where like going on a car lot and you're like, man, this there's like, you know, 5,000, you know, Ford Tauruses in this lot that are black, white, or silver. Pick any one and there's rebates and discounts on all of them. You drive that car off the lot and it's worth half. Right. right? That, that's what you don't want. And so you don't, you don't have that here where we have this demand. And in all true, truthfulness, the only way we can build is further east. You can go up north, but you get further away. And you can go and south is somewhat because of all the conservation easements and stuff like that uh, to the south on 25 between here and Colorado Springs. I and mean, there's just not a lot of places to build, to be honest with you. Right. There. So it forces you in certain directions, which means, guess what? The demand, going back to what I talked about, just with the progression of the, uh, the demographics and, and age groups, um, the demand is to stay closer to the mountains, not further away. Right. And guess what? That forces you either north or into you know, existing homes that are right. right smack dab in here in the front range. And so right. I think ultimately when, it, when, when, when you look at the overall picture, that provides a very strong environment for somebody who doesn't own a home now to buy a house, feel secure in the long-term wealth building aspect of owning that home. You know, and again, we bring, I think I bring this up, if not 10, 500 times every time we have a podcast, but the bottom line is you're going, you have to live somewhere. You're going to pay to live somewhere. 
right? At least most people are going to pay to live somewhere one way or the other, whether you buy a house, whether you rent or whatever it is, you got to pay. So get into a house that you want that provides you all these different pieces to your puzzle, whatever it might be, whether it's you want to be close to the front range, uh, the foothills, because you want to go take advantage of the open spaces and get out in nature, or whether you want to be uh, in the, you know, the, the city areas um, and take advantage of what they have to offer, whatever it might be, you know, get into that house and embrace the fact that, hey, this is a long-term investment for me and my family and get in there and just let the wealth right. build. And, and the other thing is just because there is low demand, just because there is, I mean, low supply, sorry, and high demand for, for these things doesn't mean, you know, we, we still have, you know, um, five to 7,000 houses selling in, in, in this market every month, you know, so there is houses out there, you know, there, there is the, the house that, that you want and there's opportunities to move up. It's just fewer and far between. And you just have to, to get in there and, and get that first house, you know, and then you can progress because most of the time it's, if you're, um, if the prices are going up, you know, it's, it, it, your house is worth a little more. And so the house that you're buying is worth a little more. You're going to get a little more for your house. So it's all going to kind of even out once you're already in the market. Right. So the faster you can get in the market and start building that wealth, the better off, the better off you are. And then you just have to be smart about, about moving your way up. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about motivations, you know, and, and you talk, we've talked a little bit about that where you want to be close to the mountains or close to downtown or close to whatever, uh, Costco or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever your motivations are, you know, that, uh, you, uh, home values around Costco. Exactly. Exactly. Or the light rail or, you know, an ice skating rink or whatever, whatever, everybody's got their own motivations, but, I think it's worth um, spending a little more to make sure that, that you are in the right area, you know, and you don't want to go crazy with it, you know, and, and overspend to be where close to, to what you want to do. But there, we, we talk about this all the time that owning a home, it's not just a financial decision. It's emotional, you know, it's, there, there's a lot of things that go into it. And there, there's a lot of things that, uh, a, a lot of great things about owning a house and making it your own and making sure that you're in the right area with, with the type of people that you want to be around. And that's very important. And, and I think that we don't talk about that enough about that um, pride of ownership and that um, all of that, you know, that, that goes into owning a house that really um, can change your life in a good way, you know, not just in, uh, in, in the wealth forming, you know, there, there's a lot of emotional things that, that come to owning a home also. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a key piece. And we, you know, we often fail to realize when we're talking about this, cause we, we stick to such a, uh, you know, right, we're uh, about the numbers. Yep. Right. It's just, well, I mean, for us, it's strategy, right? I mean, how do we help you, as either a home, current homeowner or a prospective homeowner, strategize to continue to build wealth. You know, well, if you don't own a home, you got to start by buying one. And if you do own a home, we, there's all kinds of strategies in place from utilizing the equity 
to uh, you know, lowering your payment, using that money for other things, be it pay down your balance, be it pay off debt, whatever it is. We talk about these in all of our podcasts. So sometimes we, we overlook, um, not, not that you and I personally don't overlook, because we, we have this conversation all the time, yep. but sometimes we don't talk about it. Right. And there is a whole piece of this puzzle that makes probably more sense than everything else, right? And that's really about your life and the happiness that the home and where it is can provide for you and your family. And that's, that's, right. that's a big, big deal. So in all the things we talk about from a numbers perspective, and from a wealth building perspective, and from a leveraging your asset perspective, don't, don't forget that the number one thing that is really always at the top of the list is living somewhere that's important to you. You know, we understand that no day is guaranteed for any of us on this earth, and it's important to uh, create a uh, sense of happiness for where you live, right? Absolutely. And, and I've seen it. I've seen a lot. I, I have a customer, and they don't live in this state. They moved away for a job. And they bought a house purely by the fact is like, well, you know, it's, it was like $20,000 less in an area of a different state. And they, and they were miserable. They were there six months. And she called me because we did the loan still, even though it was another state. We can do that. Um, we did the loan. And she's like, Pat, I hate it. I was like, hey, how are you doing? And we talked. And was like, how are you enjoying your house? She goes, I hate it. I was like, what? You, I said, you specifically picked that house for the reason you picked. She goes, I picked it. It was $20,000 cheaper than where we really wanted to live. Right. And you know what I said? I said, hey, you realize we had this conversation, but that was $100 a month difference. That's it. You saved $100 a month, maybe, maybe $95 a month. So the difference wasn't that much that you saved to now live in a house in an area of town that you didn't like. Because she said, yep. we're constantly driving over here. This is all this stuff we, you know, we like and stuff like that. We should have just never done this. And I'm like, it's, you know, you move on from those types of mistakes, but these are the things we want to pass on. Right. Cause that was what I, that was my exact words to her. We talked about this. You have to live somewhere that you're going to be happy. Right. A hundred dollars a month. <clears throat> I mean, that's entertainment. That's right. If you could cut out entertainment because you live in your house, you know, maybe like, like here we have a great example because it's, you know, if you like it, you might want to face the foothills. You might want to see the mountains from your back deck. Maybe you don't need, you feel the need to go out and go places because you spend an extra 50 or $60,000 for a house because it's in an area that happens to have a mountain view and you can sit on your deck after work and relax and be like, man, this is why I live here. And this is why I work hard. Like I do to pay for my house. Oh, and by the way, I don't even think about this. I'm building a tremendous amount of wealth over time by living in somewhere that I truly enjoy being. Right. There's a big difference to that. And I'm not and, sitting in traffic because I'm closer to work. And, yeah. you know, there, there's all kinds of reasons and motivations. But I, but I think we talk about this a lot is uh, about having a plan. And I think having a plan when you're moving into a place and what, what are your motivations? Why do you want to live in this area? You know, is it because you know, you want to go snowshoeing or biking or get up to the mountains quicker? Or is it because you want to live closer to downtown? Or is it because whatever, you know, but, but do it purposefully. Yep. Don't do it like your client where I can save $20,000 to be here. You know, do it. Hey, I want to live in this area because of these things. And, you know, list them out and really know why you're doing things. And, and that, that motivation, I think, is um, it's going to make you happier and it's going to make you um, be happy with your decision after you, after you make it also, if you go in there with a plan and, and yep. being purposeful, you know, to uh, doing, 
doing something for a reason instead of just, well, I'm going to try to save money or I'm going to try to do this. Now that is a reason saving money, but you know, you've got to factor in all the other things. Yeah. You got to look at the whole picture and you know, and, and that's kind of a great way to kind of wrap up, but we had this conversation right before we jumped on here and started talking about this with kind of my situation where I've got specific parameters of where I want to live. Yep. You know? And, you know, I'm in the process slowly of looking to make that move at some point in time in the next 12 months. And you get sidetracked very easily when you start looking at, uh, you know, whether it's price points or whatever, and you have to really understand exactly what we just said, you know, yep. You really got to look at the overall picture, make your list of what's most important and what's going to make you happy. You know? And don't, and don't compromise, you know, don't compromise on the things that you really want, you know, just to get in a house. And I think that's what happens when this feeding frenzy starts at the, you know, in, in June, you know, May and June where every, Oh, we got to, you know, there's 10 offers on this place. We've got to, you know, we've got to make this decision right now. Um, you know, don't compromise on the things that you really want you know, and make sure that you're getting what you want and, and, and that you, um, the house will come, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of houses that come on the market every day. So there you're, you're, the, if you miss on one, there's another one right behind it. Um, just be ready to, to act when you find that one that you really want yeah. and don't be but willing be to pay a little, you, a little bit more for it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But be, you know, be open-minded. There's a lot of things you can change in the house. So, you, you know, that's where it's so important. If you look at all of your, um, you look at all of your, uh, what's it called? Your, your, your wants and your wishes, um, you know, make sure you're meeting those, but understand some of the things that are lower on the list you can forego yep. and you can recreate yourself inside of that own home. Well, and that, that goes into, you know, using the right real estate agent, um, someone that, that really knows the, the market and knows what you can and can't do to a house and, and that type of thing that can really help you out. And we can definitely help you out with finding a great agent. Um, so um, if you want to uh, find out what you qualify for or find out what your house is worth, uh, if you're, you're looking at selling something, um, you can go to www.coloradomortgageadvice.com and, or you can text us um, at 720-650-6440 and um, just text uh, the, the word, uh, what word should we use today? Um, text the word move, move. to, to uh, 720-650-6440 and um, we will um, get you some information on... Um, whatever you're looking for and we'll get you the a rent to own analysis or a, uh, or, or a move up buyer analysis, you know, what you can get for your house and, and what's the, what's the difference in your payment. Cause you might be able, like Pat said earlier to pay the same, the same price for a higher priced house because of the, 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 the way your mortgage is now and the amount that you've paid it down. So let us know if we can help you anyway and um, subscribe to this podcast anywhere that podcasts are, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, any of those places and uh, visit us online and uh, like all of our Facebook stuff and uh, we will talk to you next week. Have a great week.